Last week's reading leads us to the fall of Israel and the destruction of God's temple. But what could have led to such tragedy? When we read the prophetic books, we get an inside view on how God views the sin and problems of his people and why he eventually took them into captivity. Isaiah 1 is a good overview of Israel's problem. Verse 2, we read, Listen, heavens, and pay attention, earth, for the Lord has spoken. I have raised up children and brought them up, but they have rebelled against me. So God calls the entirety of creation to witness against Israel for their sins. They were raised by God personally, but they rebelled against him. And we get a sense of the anguish that God feels in these verses. These were his children. Despite the love and care that God had provided for them throughout their lives, the nation had rebelled and God feels the pain as a father being abandoned by his own kids. And this isn't just heartbreaking, but it's confusing. God holds up two of the most stubborn animals in verse 2, the ox and the donkey, and say they know who their master is, but Israel is beyond stubborn and refuses to submit to God. Like a parent disciplining their child, God brings in foreign nations. In verse 7, it says, Your land is desolate, your cities burn down, foreigners devour your fields, right in front of you. A desolation, like a place demolished by foreigners. Israel just keeps inviting more and more punishment. And God portrays them as a wounded man who keeps inviting more punishment, yet refuses any kind of medical care. Every action is a rebellion that just brings more pain. But they refuse to learn from any of these lessons, and they refuse any comfort from God. They stubbornly refuse him and insist on standing on their own. And so the beatings are going to continue. That's God's perspective of his people. But if you asked an Israelite, they'd think that they were worshiping and honoring God all just fine. When we read in verses 11 through 15, we see that Israel still kept up the rituals and kind of the facade of worshiping God. They offer sacrifices to him. They come to the temple. They're burning incense, keeping his festivals. They're even praying to him still. But all of this has become a burden to God. And he says in verse 15, When you spread out your hands in prayer, I will refuse to look at you. Even if you offer countless prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are covered with blood. The rituals and sacrifices God commanded, they're important. That's why he commanded them. We can read the entire book of Leviticus and see how important these are to God. But we can't bring God a sacrifice and assume that it makes up for our intentional sins the rest of the week. Ritual is not a substitute for godly behavior. Sacrifice is meant to make up for the mistakes we make as we pursue godly behavior. And so sacrifice and godly behavior need to go hand in hand. God appeals to Israel in verse 16 to wash themselves. Make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes. Cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's cause. Israel's hands are full of blood because they're full of violence and oppression. Among the weakest in society are widows and orphans without any property rights. And God says, you haven't learned to do good by bringing them justice and pleading their cause. The powerful, they just either ignore them or just use them for their own selfish gain. Right worship without a right heart it's going to be useless. Sacrifice is not a get-out-of-jail-free card where we're allowed to do anything that we please, as long as we pay it back later with a burnt offering. There was an influential German theologian named Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and he wrote about the concept of cheap grace. He saw Germany's descent into Nazism as an embracing of cheap grace. 
The Nazi party could commit countless evils, genocide, torture, war crimes, and have all of it washed away just by attending a Sunday service. And this was nothing that Bonhoeffer read of when he read the words and example of Jesus, who spoke harshly against sin and evil. Cheap grace in his mind was all the love of God, but without any of his demands. Well, in the days of Isaiah, Israel is living under cheap grace. Since God was faithful, and because grace was free and infinite, any sin forgiven through sacrifice, well, why not just do what we want and let the sacrifice burn for it? So God redirects Israel to actual forgiveness. Starting in verse 18, he says, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. God expects obedience from his people. He expects them to be examples of God's holiness here on earth. As vicious as God's condemnation is throughout the book of Isaiah, it will always come back to this. Israel isn't what they're supposed to be, and God is still calling them back to be made in his image. That's the invitation for us as well. Our sins, though they are like scarlet, covering our hands with blood. Still, God is inviting us to be cleansed and to be made holy so that we can't just tell, but so that we can show the world who our God is.